Hello and welcome. This is Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. My name is Justin Lamb and I am your host with the most who doesn't boast and likes cinnamon toast. Let's get to know one another. This is episode 30, 30 or backwards, 03. Something to keep in mind for a mystery puzzle I'll plant throughout this entire episode. Uh, we're going to have a fun little day today. I'm going to treat you guys to one of my favorite IPAs and used to be my go-to IPA at a certain bar where I used to play certain concerts on a certain regular basis. And we're also going to go down the list of the top 10 grossing movies of 1997. It was a good year, guys. It was a good year for movies, and it was a good year to start high school. If you think I'm old, thank you. If you think I'm young, fuck you, man. How old are you? 42? Get over it. Anyway, let's get this party going. All right, I got to play an actual song. Here you go. guys oh i hit the microphone with my bottle opener adds a whole new special effect when you do that um this is dark horse brewing company out of marshall michigan the beer crooked tree india pale ale uh this used to be my flagship ipa i didn't even know it existed until i started playing shows at a bar louis location a lifetime ago I think is how long ago that was and they had it on draft and I was big into IPAs and two-hearted as I am now but they didn't have two-hearted and I said uh what IPAs do you have and the bartender recommended Crooked Tree and I tried it and I said hey I'm gonna need about seven more of these and uh keep that order coming every time I play here because these are delicious and drinking makes playing terrible music easy sometimes so dark horse crooked tree ipa like most ipas you can definitely get a hop aroma right off the top of it they don't mention anything on their bottle of um well anything really kind of hops or they don't have those weird little sayings like we believe here at a dark horse brewing company that one hop is worth one conversation and if you share hands with everyone in the world maybe you can make a better place with hops malt barley and friendship there's nothing like that written on here um God, can someone print that off and write it on a label somewhere or is there a brewery listening to this please for the love of god put that on a label somewhere you can name the beer after me moron ipa perfect uh it's got more of a copper color than you get out of some of the more recent ipas that seem to have like a lighter uh, lighter amber tone this is more copper you cannot see through it at all i mean i just have it in a regular pint glass and you can see light through it but i can't see my fingers on the other side of the glass oh my god i'm blind um ah, that's the stuff it's delicious it's just like i remembered it uh, it's really, it's a really good IPA. If you're an IPA fan and you have your favorites and you're a big fan of trying out each brewery's flagship IPA, if you haven't had Crooked Tree from Dark Horse Brewing, I highly suggest it. 
If you haven't been to Dark Horse Brewing in Marshall, you're just like me. It's not that far away. Let's go there. Give me a call. But check it out. It's great IPA. It's what I will be drinking this episode. And I think, other than a taste test or the Scotch Ales episode. Okay, I'm thinking of many now. I was about to say this is the first time I've featured Dark Horse Brewing. But you know what? It's the first time I've featured them by themselves. So hey, Dark Horse. This non-buds for you. Cheers. You were listening to Prodigy on the radio. Breathe the pressure. Come blame a guy in autistia. Maybe you were, uh, maybe you're 14 years old. That's a possibility. Maybe you were going to see Star Wars re-released in theaters for the first time in uh, 20 years. Also a possibility. Which is what I was doing. Super excited about it. Right at the beginning of the year, Star Wars was re-released January 31st that year. And I point that out because Star Wars, the re-release, the special edition where they CGI Jabba the Hutt in a scene that he shouldn't have been in and it was stupid and I hated it. Check out the originals, folks. Um, It's technically number eight on the top ten grossing movies of that year. And I tell you that because I'm not going to talk about it past me talking about it right now. Because it's a re-release of a movie, so I don't want to count that. Oh, sequels? Yeah, we'll get to those. Those are in here. At least one is. Technically two. But Star Wars was just a re-release. And there's not a weird ultimate alternate universe anywhere where Star Wars doesn't make a shit ton of money um, anytime it comes out. So, I mean, shit, look at Phantom Menace. There's your example right there. Ugh. Okay, we won't talk about that. But that's number eight. So top ten are actually going to start at 11, and then 10, and then 9. Skip eight. Seven six five four three two one, and starting with number eleven, coming in with a total gross of one hundred and twelve million dollars, opening to a total of two thousand eight hundred fifty-one theaters, with an opening weekend that brought in twenty-three million dollars. Opening June twenty-seventh, nineteen ninety-seven. It's my personal favorite. <laughs> it's not. It's not my personal favorite at all. It is the film. Face off the film where the plot is I'm going to surgically remove this guy's face and put it on mine to go undercover. Uh Oh, while I was doing that, he got surgeons to put my face on him. It's just the fucking worst. The premise is hilarious. I mean, it's a fine movie. It's a great little action movie. And if you like put yourself past the absurdness of it all, uh, John Travolta in the 90s and then Nicolas Cage. Uh, it's, great, it's a great movie. It's right after um, Broken Arrow. So people just think it's great. And I, I mean, I liked it at the time, but if you really think about it, it's fucking ridiculous. But Face Off, number 11 from Paramount Pictures. <laughs> uh, just think about it. They, there's not even scarring. They just perfectly i mean snapchat filters eat your fucking heart out you can't tell a difference it's like nicholas cage 
is John Travolta and John Travolta is Nicolas Cage. What's happening? The world's a crazy place. Oh, what a fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I gotta move along. Um, number, number 10. Coming in with a gross of $125 million. Fuck. And opening to 2,807 theaters on December 19th, 1997. James Bond, 007. Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, this is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, Bond movies with Brosnan. And I think I've discussed this in the Bond episode because I grew up in the 90s. I think that uh, the 90s Bonds, Pierce Brosnan Bond is my favorite Bond. I don't much care for Daniel Craig, as I've stated before. But what are you going to do? Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies is fantastic, though. And I believe this is the one with Terry Hatcher. Am I wrong there? Can someone confirm that? Yes, it is. Terry Hatcher, who I had a crush on because Lois and Clark. You want to know more about that? Check out the Bond episode. But that's number 10. And we're moving right along to number 9. One of my wife's favorites. Probably her favorite, uh, no, let's say her second favorite from this year. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows their wives, you know? Um, but that is coming in at $127 million gross with an opening weekend, giving it $21.6 million. Holy balls. Opening at 2,376 theaters on June 20th, to 1997. My best friend's wedding. Oh, Julia Roberts. You are the greatest. Did anyone else have just a mad crush on Julia Roberts? And you know what? Let's not past tense that, because fuck it, she is amazing. I still think she's hot, you know? You had a little Dermot Mulrooney, uh, or Dylan McDermott Mulrooney, as I like to call them both. Cameron Diaz is in that movie. It's a great little film. Um... Yeah, I mean, classic tale of she she's marrying her, and I don't know, and I like her, but but she's my she's gonna get married, and I but I like her, and, but she's not marrying me, and I don't know what's going on. Blair, you guys know that plot line? Have you heard it before? Have you seen it? Have you seen that plot line? But that's number nine from Sony Pictures. What a beautiful film. I'm gonna skip number eight and go to seven after this song. Okay, number seven. I have a lot to say about this, and it has very little to do with the actual movie. Um, with a gross of $138 million, playing in 2,203 theaters, opening on December 5th, 1997, from Miramax, Goodwill Hunting. So here's the deal Goodwill Hunting came out in 97. Um, nobody knew who Matt Damon was because, you know, everyone's like, who the fuck's Matt Damon? And Ben Affleck had been in a pretty good number of things at that point. 
from, you know, Dazed and Confused and Mallrats and Glory Days and I'm sure here and there other stuff. When did Reindeer Games come out? That's probably two years later. But Robin Williams is the third star of the movie or fourth star. I don't know. Depends on how you want to break apart casts. And I feel like Robin Williams had enough clout in 1997 for them to not release this at a festival, but to get it purchased and released at major theaters immediately. Because what happened is they released it at a festival first. It's probably at Cannes or something. I'm not going to look it up because I don't care that much. But it only opened in seven theaters its opening weekend. So that, that total gross of $138 million is probably from 1998. But 1997, December 5th, when it opened, um, it was in seven theaters, and their weekend grossed $272,000. dollars Two hundred seventy-three, because we're gonna round up. But either way, that uh, that's a fucking small opening. But then obviously it got purchased. Um, ben Affleck, Matt Damon won like Oscars for screenwriting, which is the ongoing joke forever that Matt Damon just like wrote that while Ben Affleck was getting high and reading lines for Chasing Amy. Um, <laughs> but. It's, I mean, it's a great film. It's a, it's a really great film. And there's so many great jokes that spur from this movie. Um, right up to like the office. I immediately think about Michael goes to a school and just writes <laughs> bullshit, a geometric equation on the chalkboard. And was like, you know, in case there's any, uh, goodwill hunting situations, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's ripe with jokes. How you like them apples? I mean, we've all heard these things. And if you've never seen it, you don't get any of those references. I've seen it like twice, so I couldn't tell you anything important about it. Like the plot. Uh, then he's like, oh, I'm a janitor. And then I did this equation. And apparently I'm better than the janitor. Um, that's probably a rough summary. But it's crazy to me that even with Robin Williams... All bearded up. This must have been the Patch Adams times when people were like, "All right, Patch Adams, Flubber, let's just let's just chill out on Robin Williams for a little while." Ms. Doubtfire was great, but what happened then? Hook, that was great, but then you know, once again, Flubber, Patch Adams, who knows? Moving on, number six. Grossing $148 million and playing at 1,837 theaters. That's actually the lowest amount of theaters on this entire list. Wow. Yet it's number six and made a lot of money. I'll tell you why. Because it opened December 23rd, 1997. And it stars Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt. And it's called As Good As It Gets. This movie is fantastic. Um, this was one of the ones that I definitely owned. I got a kick out of it. It has so many great lines. Uh, it's one of those movies where they share a lot of the great lines in the trailer. Um, they're like, how do you write women so well? And you're like, oh, I take a man and I remove all common sense and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think the overlooked, because when I think of as good as it gets, I think of Jack Nicholson immediately and his he's like super OCD and... It's like the whole storyline. 
But Helen Hunt and being the mother in that role and the the spit up and the breastfeeding and, and trying to go on dates, like she is one of the greatest actresses. If you're if you're on the fence about how great an actress Helen Hunt is, watch this fucking movie. Because she's so good. And and writing is fantastic. It's just a great, great, great movie. Um, no surprise that it came in so high opening to, (laughs) I mean, an average of 400 less theaters than everything else and over a thousand theaters less than every other movie in the top six. Wow. Great film. Great, great film. I would, I mean, I have to conclude that that means multiple people saw it multiple times in theaters, right? I feel like any movie you see more than once in theaters, you really like. I feel like that's a safe assumption, right? Why aren't you guys talking to me? You guys never talk back to me. I can hear you. I know you're alone and in your car, but I can still hear you. Ew, don't tell me that. Onward and upward, friends. We are down to the top five grossing movies of 1997. Number five, which (laughs) does not have the following line in it, but this for some reason is what came to my mind when I thought of it. You guys know that Grand Torino movie where Clint Eastwood goes, get off my lawn. Um, For some reason, when I read this title, I thought of a line that I will tell you after I tell you the facts about this title. Number five, grossing $173 million and opening at 2,981 theaters on July 25th, 1997 from Sony Pictures, Air Force One. And the line that came to my head, get off my plane. (laughs) It's not. Actually, you know what? That might be in the movie. I can see Harrison Ford saying, Get off my plane. Does that mean Clint Eastwood stole that and turned it into my lawn? I don't know. Maybe. Not pointing fingers. Just like your typical President Gets Kidnapped movie. We went through like a whole series of these recently. Like White House Down. Code Omega. London's Fallen. That's a think about London. But either way. Um, there's a weird long string of like something's going on with the president movies and uh, Harrison Ford is no stranger to that either. He did that movie. Was it clear and present danger uh, where someone's trying to assassinate the president? Cool. Um, Air Force One though came out in 97 and I mean, it's a Harrison Ford movie. Glenn Close is, I believe the, the president. Oh, the vice president. Fuck, call me a sexist. They had a female vice president in a 1997 movie? We call that progress, people. Holy shit. But, anywho. uh, William H. Macy has a role in this movie, as does um, Jürgen Prochnow, obviously. He was uh, General Alexander. 
But that was number five. Who cares? Full disclosure. I don't know if I've ever seen that movie in its entirety. But I'm pretty sure at one point Harrison Ford says, Get off my plane. It might have been in the trailer. Who knows? Fuck it. Number four. Total gross $181 million and opening to 2,909 theaters worldwide. It might just be domestically. I'm really not sure of that statistic. But March 25th, 25th, that's where it's the 25th, but you're fisting that day. So it's March 25th. Just so we're clear, that's not what I'm talking about. It did open on March 21st from Universal Pictures. Liar Liar, starring Jim Carrey. Fuck, this movie's great. So good. Big fan. I just I just love Jim Carrey. And I love Jim Carrey throughout the 90s. And I, I love him up until now. I mean, I still like him a lot. There's some really fucked up shit going on in his personal life that you are free to Google that raise a lot of red flags and make me wish we lived in that simpler time when there wasn't TMZ and a 24-hour news cycle and people could just like you know be celebrities and terrible people at the same time and us you know uh lemmings what's the word I'm looking for doesn't matter um we could just like celebrities and we could like their movies and be like oh I love it uh, like Jerry Lewis could have been getting transvestite hookers every night we wouldn't have known, but to nowadays, everyone does anything in their personal life. We find out about it. It um, makes us judge them as people because that's kind of how that works. And then you have different feelings about them and it sucks. It sucks when it's someone you really like. Not excusing a damn thing. It just sucks when it's someone you really like. Ah, Jim Carrey. You tortured billionaire. All right. Let's play a song. Suburban life ain't what it seems. Suburban life, the American dream. Suburban life, so pretty and great. Suburban life ain't what it seems. The big gay little lake bounce in me. All right, guys, we are down to the top three highest grossing movies of 1997. What? Yeah, that's right. 1997, the number that if you reverse and move around the numbers is 9,791. <laughs> or if you move them, it's 1979, and that's the year my brother was born. And his social security number is three. That has nothing to do with this. Coming in at number three from Universal Pictures, totally grossing, grossing total, total gross of $229 million and opening at 3,565 theaters on May 23rd, 1997, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, or Jurassic Park 2, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Thank God for this movie. Um, I, I avoided Jurassic Park sequels um, up until this moment, I think. I've seen them all. But when I think of Jurassic Park sequels, because the first one's so amazing, I've seen it recently uh, and a billion times before that. And I think I that might have been one of the movies I would ride my bike to the local theater and watch 
over and over again when it was out, like number two on here. But um, it was it was a uh, it was a great movie. And then one of the sequels, which now I realize after looking up the Lost World, is Jurassic Park three. If there can be a semicolon or a colon, not a semicolon, guys, I'm drinking Crooked Tree. Leave me alone. Um, if there can be a colon after your title and the second part is dinosaurs in LA, <laughs> it's, it's not a great movie. If your if your movie is called Jurassic Park, dinosaurs in LA, which is what Jurassic Park three should have been called. Not, not great. Not super great. Um, anything in LA as a sequel, probably not great. No, probably not. Um, even, even, uh, I mean, I don't know. Pick a movie, pick a movie. It's done a bunch. Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones, two Nazis. In LA. <laughs> See, that doesn't work either. Um, <laughs> nothing. Star Wars <laughs> episode two Jedi's in LA. <laughs> Please pick any movie with a sequel and put that after it. I'm drawing so many blanks right now. It makes me so sad. American Pie 2. Teenagers in L.A. That actually probably works. Um. <laughs> X-Men 2. Mutants in L.A. No one wants to be in L.A. I lived there. I know. It's ridiculous. Uh, the Lost World is... <laughs> The Lost World is the third, no, first. It's the highest opening weekend that year. Their opening weekend alone, they made $72 million. Because uh, it was a sequel to Jurassic Park, and Jurassic Park was fucking amazing. The the special effects, like, I don't think people understand what we were able to do with special effects in the 90s that had never been done before. And even with like uh, prosthetics and, and making that stuff like Star Wars in the 70s and the 80s set somewhat of a standard. And then you get movies like Total Recall in 1990 where Arnold Schwarzenegger pulls that lady's head off his head because it's a disguise. Like that's nuts. And you watch that special effect. That's from 1990. That's from 28 years ago. And now we have CGI that still looks like shit. So, I mean, at some points, get your, get your shit together. Speaking of CGI, number two from Sony Pictures, grossing $251 million and opening in 3,180 theaters on July 2nd. It's 4th of July weekend, folks. July 2nd, 1997. Hit it! Men in Black. I can keep going with that song if you guys want. Like, just me, not the song. Ready? Good guys dressed in black. Remember that, just in case we have a face-to-face and make contact. Yeah, I, I fucking love that song. I love that Will Smith is like, oh, you want me to do a movie? And then he's like, well, I'm going to have to write a fucking theme song for it. Because all of them are good. Wild Wild West. Uh, great. The song's better than the fucking movie. 
Amazing. Miami, it's not a movie. And the song's okay. Um, Men in Black was so good. Men in Black's great. This was the this was the one I was talking about. I would ride my bike up to the theater and see it so many times that summer. So funny. I loved Will Smith. I watched Fresh Prince like every fucking day. Um, just fantastic. And then um, so many great lines like all Will Smith's lines in Independence Day, which I also rode to the theater and watched a bunch of times, uh, are so great. And then... Tommy Lee Jones being like the old timer that snaps back at the young whippersnapper. Fantastic. But men in black has so many, just the visual gags, everything about it's fantastic. He pulled when he, he's taking the test and he pulls that metal table across the room. It's great. Everything about it is great. Uh, it well-deserved sequels. I wish I saw a little more of what's her name. And I call her that cause I don't remember her name. Uh, but she was super hot. Loved that check in that movie. The uh, mortician, not the mortician, but she worked at the morgue, not the funeral home. Uh, so good. And then obviously the alien aspect is fantastic. And Will Smith and aliens, they go together like, I don't know, Will Smith and Independence Day. Fuck it. Number two, so good. Let's hear a little bit more of that track before we get to number one. Black, remember that, just in case we have a face to face and make contact. The title held by me, MIB. Means what you think you saw, you did not see. So don't blink, be what was dead is now gone. Black suit with the black ray bands on. Walk a shadow, move in silence. Guard against extraterrestrial violence. But yo, we ain't on no government list. We straight don't exist. No names and no fingerprints. Saw something strange, watch your back. Cause you never you guys remember the music video for that? And the chick's part was sang by like a CGI alien. <laughs> a lot of CGI in that movie. Lots of it. But it worked out well because anytime any CGI was involved, it would also involve like piles of mucus on Will Smith or Tommy Lee Jones and a little memory thing. Wipe out your memory. Gone. Hope your eyes were closed when you're listening to that. You're fucked. Um, Yeah, Men in Black, so good. Cheers. And that brings us to the number one highest grossing film of 1997. From Paramount Pictures, total gross theatrically. And this I, I don't think this is even right. I think it's higher. Six hundred and one million dollars, opening to three thousand two hundred and sixty-five theaters, after an original opening of two thousand six hundred seventy-four theaters. So, six hundred theaters that didn't have this movie were like, all right, we got to get that. Opening December nineteenth, nineteen ninety-seven. I'll never let go. Titanic. 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 The only double VHS movie that every person in this fucking country owned. And is still to this day the eighth, I believe, eighth? No, less? Oh shit, more. Second. Holy shit. Uh, 
Damn you, James Cameron. The second highest grossing movie of all time. Total gross currently sitting at $2.187 billion is Titanic. Number one is Avatar at $2.7 billion. Both James Cameron movies. So if you guys need to borrow any money, James Cameron should be the guy you go to. Uh, Titanic, I don't know what I can say about it. It deserves an episode to itself. Uh, and hey, the night's young. Maybe it'll get one, but not today. Um, so good. It's, it's just great. Like the Titanic in itself is a fascination for people, uh, worldwide. You'd like to think of it, or at least, you know, I like to think of it as this American fascination because everyone on that ship was coming to America, but everyone on that ship was coming from Europe. So that's the fascination on that side of the, of the world. And, and what went wrong and how it was this unsinkable ship and the confidence level that allowed them to not put the amount of lifeboats on there that they needed. And then creating this movie that, that has this personal story that was created uh, between these two characters that were on this, this ship. And obviously like that's fictional, but a lot of the footage is real from like diving down to see the ship. And then they recreate the grand ballroom and cabins and so much stuff directly from the the sketches and the pictures and the wreckage of the ship and for the first time since it happened in april of of i'm gonna fuck it up but i don't know 1906 1912 i don't know i think it was 06 who knows um a lot of people i'm sure but at the top of my head i don't know and you know what just because i know people are going to give me shit right now i'm going to do this and i hope you're happy with yourselves when did the Titanic sink? April 15th, 1912. See, April 15th. I was off by nine years. But I knew it was in April, so fuck y'all. Um, this was the first time for all these people fascinated with this shipwreck that, I mean, you could say nearly everyone died because way more people died than got off the fucking boat. We could see it on screen in all its glory like it was absolutely amazing and the, yeah the love story some people might be all like oh you know oh, fucking chicks man but it was it was a cute little love story leonardo DiCaprio's amazing kate winslet's like one of the best actresses ever so that's fine and you just for me it was you get to see the titanic and even though it was a movie it was like three hours long. So like halfway through, you're like, no, I'm, I'm fucking here. I'm on the Titanic. Um, it was, it was so magical and it captured the fascination of all the people that have already been fascinated with that. And then added this emotional aspect. It was just perfect. Like what a fucking genius idea. Like, Oh, you know what? Let's take the, this story that everybody is fascinated with. Let's add some really fucking great actors. Let's spend God knows how much money on sets and cinematography. And then you know what? For good measure, let's throw in an old lady with a big fucking diamond. Because that's that's important. Uh, a great movie. Absolutely great. There's 
no wonder why it's number one and no wonder why it's number two of highest grossing films ever. And James Cameron, if you somehow hear this, I need that 20 G's you owe me, bro. I seriously, it's been a while. I don't want to be that guy, but I need that 20 G's you owe me. All right. Just look me up. Okay. You know what, guys? Through all this, through all the movies and the music and the toys, through everything, I know one thing, one thing for sure. My heart will go on. That is going to wrap it up for us this week. I want to thank Celine Dion for warming my heart those last couple minutes. Um, And keep listening, guys. I really appreciate it. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Beers and 90s or email me, beersand90s at gmail.com. And if you want a, a weird picture of something crazy, email me and put in the subject weird picture I can't promise that it's going to be workplace appropriate but you know everything's a gamble especially blackjack that's literally gambling if you don't know that you you might have a problem oh god I didn't want to do this today okay have a great week bye guys bye bye (laughs) 